My name is Rosie Owen, and I am the kids minister here at Battle Creek Church Midtown. And we are actually standing in the new preschool wing um, that we just moved into a couple weeks ago. We started construction um, back in May of this year, and so for a while we were displaced. Um, but just a couple weeks ago, we moved back in, and the kids and our dream team is absolutely loving it. I'm loving it, and it's been so fun just to be back in some walls. She said, oh my gosh, mom, it's so fun. There's colors all over the wall. and We have new tables and chairs and new carpet. And she's just super excited to bring her friends here and share the space with them. We're seeing more and more people and more and more babies. And that's great. That means more people can come to know Jesus. It sends the message that, hey, we care about your kids. And we care about the space that they're in. And we care about, you know, how we present the gospel to these kids. It's a church for the next gen. It's just amazing, um, just the amount of generosity throughout um, our entire church at Battle Creek is just overwhelming. Um, it, I feel truly honored um, that we have been able to use some of those resources to give these kids and these families an upgrade on their, on their building. Um, I just want to thank you for um, praying alongside of us and just giving with All In. We truly appreciate you and we love you. morning. What an exciting season after being displaced for months for our kids at Midtown, back in a beautifully uh, remodeled space, and, and the addition that will expand the capacity is well underway and, and uh, set to open after the first of the year. Uh, and uh, our Midtown campus, at our Midtown campus, the, sh the shoe that has been telling the foot how big it can be has been the kids' space. And uh, for years, we've been praying about how to rectify that, and, and uh, we're addressing that thanks to your generosity. Glory to God. Uh, we're taking care of that. And I love that our Midtown campus is a neighborhood campus, but they're not just reaching uh, that neighborhood. They're reaching all into uh, Midtown and even downtown. And, and this is just one more testament of all that God is doing both in us and through us as we have been and continue to go uh, all in. And so I want you to mark your calendars uh, for three weeks from today, December 3rd, on that day, we're going to celebrate all that God has been doing over the last two years in our midst, both big ways and small ways. And it's a great day for you to give big as we begin to wrap up the end of this all-in season. But we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to lift up a very big God together on that day. Uh, update, if you weren't here last week, uh, I mentioned that the Israel trip coming in January in a few weeks uh, has been postponed a, a year to January of 2025. So if you couldn't go in the 24 January and you are able to go in 25, you can sign up for that. But we are pivoting and doing a Steps of Paul trip this January uh, to the beautiful islands of Greece. And so you can sign up to do that if you want to go with us this January. And, and then one last note before we pray together and jump into uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to be speaking this Tuesday night at our Battle Creek Young Adults uh, Ministry at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night at our Midtown campus. I love what God is doing uh, among that generation in our city and in our church. And so you, you pray with me uh, that God will do what he wants to do in their lives on Tuesday night. So if you are able, would you take a knee uh, at your chair at all of our campuses? If you're not, just bow your heart where you're seated. And, and would you just submit yourself uh, to the Word of God today and to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
Would you thank the Lord uh, that the word is living and alive and active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword? And would you ask the Lord today to use his word in your life? As you receive the word, that you would open yourself up to it, that you would surrender yourself and that your heart would be pliable and teachable and soft and tender uh, to what it is that the Lord wants for you today. Would you declare to him today, whatever you want to give me, Lord, I'll receive it uh, joyfully. Whatever you want from me today, Lord, I'll give it with great joy. Uh, Father, today in this place, would you move with great freedom and, and may you have your will and your way in each of us. In Jesus' name we pray, and, and together we say amen and amen. If you got your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, if you were to vote, if I were to ask you to vote of all the ta- top chapters in all of Scripture in, in the Bible, I think the chapter we're looking at today would definitely be in the top three, definitely top five uh, of all the chapters in the Bible. Certainly you have the love chapter, right? You, you've got Psalm 23, which is like a chapter, and Romans 8, but Hebrews 11 is for sure one of the most notable. And I love how the Lord worked this out, uh, that, that today in our one-year Bible, those of us who are reading the one-year Bible, Hebrews 11 is the chapter today on the very day that we're preaching on, on Hebrews chapter 11. And what we're doing is closing in on the end on our series through the book of Hebrews. And, and uh, we may be hitting the most important part of the whole book of Hebrews this week. Last week, we talked about how to put everything we're learning into practice, right? And how how to let the rubber hit the road and and you get moving. And the reason we can run in Christ is because everything has changed. And, And we're saying this changes everything. This knowledge changes everything. This belief uh, changes everything. This idea that Jesus is better, that he is our great high priest, this understanding of the Old Testament sacrificial system and and the temple structure, all of it, it changes everything in our lives because it shows us who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished. And because of that, everything changes. The catalyst, by the way, for, for... change in your life is faith. And we're going to look at this scripture that's called the hall of faith. And the starter or or the fuel for your life in Christ is faith. And before we get into how faith changes everything, let's get a good understanding to what faith actually is. Uh, Let's look at this in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Now, faith is the substance uh, of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you grew up in church, this is how you memorize it. This is how I memorize this verse. This is New New King James Version. It's the most common way uh, of referring to this verse of Scripture. This is the definition of faith that so many of us actually know by heart. But but one thing that it tells us is, is that faith is. It's not that faith was, and it's not that faith will be. Faith is and will always be. And in our culture, uh, where you and I live and do life, that word faith, there are many things that we're tempted to think that are not what the author of Hebrews is referring to, right? In fact, let me just give you a couple of those. In English, there's lots of different things that that word faith can mean. Faith can be another word for religion right? Like the Jewish faith. 
Uh, It's a way to identify the church or the denomination uh, that you belong to. Uh, Another way to think of faith is belief. It's the things that you believe, right? You might call it a creed or or, or use words like tenet or doctrine. Uh, That means that faith is what you believe. Faith can also mean some sort of hope in, in the future, right? When you take a leap of faith, right, you, you believe that you will land safely. <clears throat> and of course, we all know the phrase blind faith, w- which is just believing without knowing, no evidence and no way to fact check uh, those things. But, but faith may also be who you believe in. By putting your faith in someone, you take it on faith, right? And you are trusting them. You can trust them to say you have faith in someone to do what they say they will do. That may be the closest in our language that we come to what the writer of Hebrews uh, 11 means when he talks about faith. And uh, when we talk about faith today, we're going to be talking about putting our faith in and on Jesus Christ. Bottom line, scripturally, that's what it means, right? Faith means to put all your trust in someone, all your trust on something. And that someone we put our faith in is Jesus Christ. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and and look at this in a different translation, uh, the NLT if we can. Faith shows us the reality of of what we hope for. And and that word, the the reality or substance in, in some of your translations or the assurance in other translations. That's the Greek word hypostasis. Hypo means under, stasis means static. So it means it's the unchanging thing under you. It's the unchanging thing under you. It literally means to set under yourself, something that doesn't change right? It's the foundation. It is a firm foundation. It's where you find a solid footing. It is something you can rely on. We don't have hope in something that is shaky. You go to buy a home and you're like, this is the perfect home. And then you realize there's cracks all through the uh, foundation. Most of us would be like, no, we're we're out, right? But we have put uh, hope in someone that has proved himself time and time again. Now, look at what he says. It it, it is the uh, evidence. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. When we talk about evidence, uh, that means convincing proof. If you're an attorney and you go to trial, you present evidence to the jury, right? Your job is to show them what they can't see. Their job is to believe the evidence. And it is our job too, to believe the evidence, right? To be convinced by the Holy Spirit of God of the truth about a God that we cannot see. If hope were the cake, faith is the list of ingredients, the, the, the substance, right? It's not a cake yet, but it's the substance of it. If we have a blessed hope, then faith becomes what we need to accomplish it. And as we'll look in this scripture, uh, it says, by faith, Abel, da 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 By faith, Enoch, da 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 By faith, Abraham, right? They each had a hope. And you can't make a cake without the ingredients. And here's what I want you to hear today. Faith is the currency of the spiritual world. 
It is the currency of the spiritual world. And when that happens, we put our faith in God, everything changes. And the writer is going to show us how that happens. And he's not just going to tell us how that happens. He's going to give us a whole list of examples of people that this happened to and happened for. And I love that that about this writer, uh, the writer of Hebrews, I I believe it's Apollos, by the way, but but we don't know who it is, but, but he's not a theological lecturer. He is a storyteller. And let's keep reading in verse 2. As we look at it together, through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. That is to say, the people from the days of old in the Old Testament got good grades from God. Now, you know what that tells us? Write this in the margin of that verse. That means faith is not a New Testament thing. Faith existed before the the New Testament, and it says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, we studied Abraham a few years ago when we started the All In series, and here's what we know about Abraham. He wasn't righteous, but he was credited. He was called righteous, right? The elders that this verse is talking about, they weren't good. But they believed in God and consequently they were counted as good. He's going to walk through the Old Testament and give us examples of the heroes of the faith. And they will give us the evidence or the proof that we need. And they will also serve as examples of what faith does to us. And the first thing that happens, I'm going to give you four things today that happens when we believe in faith. Number one, by faith, we understand who God is. The the writer will tell us something very specific about who God is. He's our creator and he is our maker. Look look at this, if you will. By faith, there's the word, understand. By faith, we understand, say understand, that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Now, let me show you something. This word for universe it's, it's not the typical word in the Greek for universe, which is the word cosmos. This is not the word cosmos. This is the word eons, which means ages, that he has the ages in his hands. You say, what's the application? God's got your future in his hands. That should give you great courage and great faith and great hope. Your tomorrow is in his hands hands. He's got the whole world in his hands, right? He's got all of it in your hand, in his hands. He's got you and me. He's got brothers and sisters. He's got your future in his hands. And and by the way, this word formed, that's not the normal word for create either, right? That this word means framed, Write That next to that word in your Bible, he's got uh, the eons framed, Think about that for a second. Another word is hedge, that he has put a hedge around the eons. All of time, he put a hedge around it. Let me tell you one place that that word is found in the Old Testament is when God and Satan are having a conversation and God says, go ahead, put a curse on Job. And Satan says, you know I can't do that. You have a frame around him. You have a hedge around him. God has your future framed in. And now in this passage, he turns the corner into creation. Let's let's keep reading what he has and what he's doing. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command 
that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Now, write this in your Bible under those uh, verses, under that verse, ex nihilo, X-E-X, nihilo, N-I-H-I-L-O, I think, nihilo. That's the Latin phrase that means out of nothing, meaning that he created everything out of nothing. And some people in, in, in the world knock those of us of faith, and what they incorrectly believe is that we don't believe anything that science has to say. And, and I get it periodically. People will walk up to me and say, hey, hey Dr. Hamaya, uh, you seem like a, a smart guy. You can't honestly tell me that you believe the earth was created in seven days. And they're absolutely right. I don't believe the earth was created in seven days because the Bible says it was created in six. <laughs> and, and that's what I believe, right? And, and so some people think that God created the whole universe. Something, some people think nothing created the universe, which is the funniest guess of all, right? That nothing created the whole universe. So some people say God doesn't exist. You know what for sure doesn't exist? Nothing. That's the defining characteristic of nothing, something that doesn't exist. So either you think it's God, something you cannot see, touch, taste, or prove by science, or you think it's nothing, something you can't see, touch, taste, or prove by science. But when nothing erupts into everything, God is involved. And he's involved. And the idea that God created everything out of nothing, for whatever reason, can be so controversial and contentious in our culture. And it shouldn't be. Because everything had to come from something. And we just believe that something is someone. And honestly, the reason that belief is foundational to our faith is this. It's not about science. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. It's about who God is and what we mean to him. Because we are his creation, he loves us. And those who think all of this just happened, listen, they're not in touch with the loving God who made them. So, so by faith, uh, write this one down. Here, here's number two, we, we please God. Verse six says that it is impossible to please God. God, if, if you can't grasp who God is and what he's done, then you will not respond in a way that brings him glory. Again, without faith, you cannot please God. And, and the example uh, that the writer gives is an interesting one. It's the story of Cain and Abel. Let, let's look at it, verse 4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Uh, that Abel's offering is the evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of, uh, by his gifts, okay? So when we talk about going all in, in terms of our finances, we don't do that so that we will be blessed by God. We are blessed by God, right? And, and our generosity is the evidence of that. So number three, by faith, we obey God. When you believe in God, it shows you through your obedience. You, you show it through your obedience. That's the example. Look, you, you cannot say that you believe in God and not follow him. You cannot say that you believe in God and not obey him. When, when you're in a marriage and, and, and you, you don't cheat on, on your spouse, we call that in our culture being faithful, right? 
It's the same with God. That, that we don't cheat, we obey Him. When we do, we, we don't cheat ourselves out of a blessing. Now look at the examples the writer uses here. Look at what he says. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed, underline that in your Bible, he obeyed God. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed, underline that word, when God called him uh, to leave home and to go to another land. What is the common denominator for both Noah and Abraham? Faith is an action. It is not a feeling, right? Noah uh, built, right? Abraham left. There was an action involved. Faith is not some idea out there. It is something that moves us. They had to obey even uh, though they were not sure of the outcome. They could not see it with their natural eyes. Abraham was thousands of miles away. You want to do a fascinating study? Look at the Bible map of where he was from. And where God was telling him to go, and he just started walking. And as he makes his way, listen, Noah started building a boat before it had ever rained a drop. He had never even seen a raindrop. And history tells us that it took Noah a hundred years to build the ark. For a hundred years building an ark and never seen a raindrop one time in his life. In other words, God may call you to obey long before you understand why. <clears throat> And all you know is the what. And as a child of faith, that's all we need. In life coaching and in management, right, we focus on our why. That's the way they teach it, right? Find your why, your why, your why. To have success at work, you've got to be laser focused on the why. You set your vision and your mission based on your why. But the God-given vision is actually based on what? doing what he tells you to do before you know the why. And and more than it's tied to the what, it's actually tied to the who. It's tied to who is God to you. So by faith, we understand who God is. By faith, we please God. Number three, by faith, we obey God. And and, and here's the fourth one uh, that the writer moves to is by faith, we believe God's promises. When you believe that God created you and, and that God loves you, when you want to obey him and please him, then you can rest assured that you will receive his promises. And that's true for all people who have ever put their faith in him. Let's keep reading in verse 13. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. What what did they see from a distance? Or, Or better yet, who did they see? It was Jesus that they saw. Now, let me just help you, okay, with a little bit of theology here. The faith that the saints in the Old Testament had was faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. They believed in Jesus. And I know that Jesus had not been born yet. And I'm not trying to confuse you, but I do want you to understand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that their faith and your faith is based on the very same thing. It's based on a belief in Jesus. If you've ever wondered how did people in the Old Testament get to heaven, the answer is the same as it is for you and me through 
Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man goes to the Father except through me. He meant that then. He means that in the future. He means that now. He means that forever and ever and ever. Meaning anyone in the Old Testament who made it into heaven only got there because they died believing, looking forward to the promise of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Abraham believed God's promises and looked for Christ. Moses trusted God's leadership and looked for Christ. David knew God would deliver him and looked for Christ. Daniel stayed faithful to God and looked for Christ. All of them looked forward into time, hoping one day to see Christ. They were saved, watch this, looking forward. We are saved by looking back, but we are both saved by looking at the very same thing, the cross of Jesus Christ. But, but we now have the advantage of hindsight. The assurance for us is far greater than it was for them, right? We have history books that tell us this is all true, that they had to just wonder, what would this look like? We get to walk in the very steps of Jesus, where he walked, and study those places. And now the writer goes through all of these names, 17, I think. Uh, in the hall of faith, and then a bunch of honorable mentions, right, you know, in, in the hall of faith. But, but we're not going to read all of them, but you should, because every one of them has a story to tell and an example to leave. And, and then he says this in verse 32, look at it, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. Verse 33, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, achieved what God had promised or received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched quenched flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put hold armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. That's the most important part I want you to see. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. A better life is what they wanted. They endured so much. And he goes on to talk about them being jeered and being whipped, and being put in prison. How many of them were stoned or even sawn in half? They were killed by swords, and they were drowned, and they had nothing. They wandered around like they were homeless. And if you and I looked at them, we would pity them. But, but look at what the writer goes on to say uh, uh, about them. They were too good for this world. And, and over years... I see people from time to time lose their faith or slip into old patterns, into habits, into sin. They stop obeying God. They stop pleasing God. Why? I think it's because they tried to be good enough for the world. They want the world to accept them in that moment. And the Bible says we're already accepted by God, by faith. So we don't need the acceptance of the world. And we should flip that whole script and think, this world is not good enough for me. I I just can't get over that phrase. They place their hope in a better 
life. They put their faith in God and they had hope in the future. They were willing to face death, endure suffering so that they could receive a better resurrection. We we use this phrase in our culture all the time in, in the church world, walking by faith. How many of you have said that before or heard somebody say that before, walking by faith. And and I don't know if we really know what that means. I I, I think at times we think it means something like, I'm just going to try this until it works. Or or I'm going to keep on keeping on believing. But what it really means is that we put our feet to faith. We live it out. In other words, we can't put faith on cruise control. And faith is more than just knowing. If your faith is lived out in the six inches between your ears only, that's not real faith. You have to ask yourself about your faith. This would be a great exercise for you this week. Ask yourself about your faith and maybe even ask the Holy Spirit about your faith. Does my faith help me understand God? Does my faith help me please God? Does my faith help me obey God? Does my faith help me uh, believe God's promises? That's a litmus test. It's not the process to accomplish it. And the way to live out faith is to follow Jesus. And, And here's the deal in our culture. Listen, we find security in words like always and never. And some Christians believe that God never performs miracles anymore. That ceased. Cessation, right? That, 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 that there are seasons. And, and there was a season for those healings, and that season is over. He doesn't do that anymore. Then on the other end of the spectrum, or the other end of the pendulum altogether, are, are those who think he always answers, every time. In fact, miracles are the point of faith right? Those are sensationalists, that that they believe he does that every single time. And when he does it, it's my fault. And what you have to hear is we need some sort of middle ground in this whole thing where faith is indeed faith. It's not faith in faith, it's faith in faith. God. And the way we do that is to point to Jesus every time. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And what does that mean? It means not that you just think it out. It means that you live it out. We we began this message talking about different ways that the culture defines faith that are not what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. But what I want you to realize is that the writer of the Bible describes faith in different ways at different times. The scripture has several different ways to think about or speak about faith. That there's a saving faith that saves you from your sin. That's Ephesians 2, uh, 8, you know, 9 and 10. We are saved by grace through faith faith. Then there's faith that that, that is saving faith. Then there's this, uh, and by the way, that's the most important faith that we need to have. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a saving faith. And in a moment, I'll give you a chance to have that, to receive the person of Jesus where you have saving faith. So the Bible talks about saving faith, but the Bible also talks about the gift of faith. 1 Corinthians 12. Some of you bless us all the time by us just being in your presence because you have the gift of faith. 
to believe big. In fact, I've mentioned some names in the last few months. Those of you who have the gift of faith, in fact, I'd love just for a faith family just to pray for a minute. There's three people I've been praying for on a daily basis, and one of them, his name is Taylor. Taylor Sokolowski is 36 years old and has brain cancer and will finish radiation and chemo, the six-week radiation and chemo tomorrow. And he'll ring the bell. And then he has a year of one week a month of receiving treatment for a whole year. And, and we're praying for God to heal him. That his lifespan is not going to be 36 or 37 or 38 years, but it, it would be a long, long life. We're, we're praying for July Dotson, a little four-year-old boy. I don't know if you met this kid, but he's delightful. Who is it? Uh, uh, not MD Anderson. Uh, St. Jude's in, in Memphis. He has a brain tumor on it, the stem of his brain that is inoperable. Four years old. You should follow Kevin Dodson on Facebook or Instagram and read the post of the dad and the mom of, of this four-year-old boy. But I'd love for us to pray for him. And then there, there's a, a family that flip-flops between downtown and Owasso, the, the Mosby's, Harrison Mosby. Bodies eaten up with, with cancer. <clears throat> In fact, could we just take a minute right now and could we just pray? for those three and maybe God lays somebody else on your heart and, and in fact could we just do this at the, at the risk of scaring some of you could, could we just pray out loud all of us at the same time so would you just at all six campuses or wherever you're watching all over the world today would, would you just voice a prayer uh, right now for Taylor Sokolowski would you just do that by the way this concert of prayer is not going to confuse God at all you may be confused by it, but God's not confused by it. He loves it when his children come together. In fact, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. He loves a midst. So let's just raise up a midst of prayer across our campuses. Would you just right now pray a few sentences for Taylor Sokolowski? As your faith increases, lift the, the, the tone of your voice, if you would. Would you pray for Harrison Mosby across all the campuses? Lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. And would you pray for July Dotson? Father, you hear the prayers of your kids. Give us not faith in faith. Give us faith in you. We thank you that you're Jehovah Rapha and that you are a healer and that we apply right now the stripes that were placed upon the Son of Jesus onto their lives for healing from all sickness and all disease. And we ask you, the one who is sovereign above all things of all time, to meet them right where they are and do what only you can do. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Now listen, what the writer is describing in Hebrews 11 is not saving faith, and it's not uh, the gift of faith. What he's describing is living by faith. Remember he says, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. And many people, maybe even you, think that's the whole verse. It's, it's not the whole verse. Let me, let me show you the whole verse. By, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And, and whether your faith is vibrant and growing or stale and struggling, don't miss what the writer is keying in on here. Those who diligently seek him. Here's what I'm trying to say. Living by faith is a muscle. It's a faith that can grow. It's a faith that needs to grow, but like any other muscle, it can also be damaged. And it happens in moments in our lives where we're believing for a specific outcome and it didn't transpire the way that we thought. And by faith in those moments, we have to declare that does not mean God was absent. That does not mean that he forgot. And it most certainly does not mean that he doesn't care because he does. And some of you here today, under the sound of my voice, you, you, you would say, Pastor, I have faith. And you do. But the truth is, that faith muscle for you is damaged. Or it's hurting. And as a result, you struggle in moments like what we just had. And here's what I want you to hear today, and I've been convinced of this week. Just like God can heal our physical bodies, and we've seen that a lot in this church. God also wants to heal what's been hurt in your faith. And he wants you to trust him because he is trustworthy. He wants you to seek him because his promise is that he will be found. So would you pray with me across all of our rooms this morning? And if you're here today and what you need is a saving faith, would you just pray with me right where you're seated and, and others are going to pray with you so that you don't pray alone. But if you came here today and you need to trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, would you just pray with me and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but today I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, my forgiver in the best way that I know how. I receive you, and I receive salvation. Give me a saving faith. If you just prayed that, congratulations. But I would love for us to do something else for the next minute or two. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I have a saving faith. But when it comes to living by faith, my faith has been damaged. Would you just raise your hand all across the room, all of our rooms today? I have a saving faith, but my faith has been 
damaged. In fact, would you just stand up? If your hand is up, would you just stand up? It's been damaged. And I just need healing for my faith. And maybe it's not dead, it's just sick and creeping along. And I just want to pray for those who are standing all across our room, all across all of our worship centers today. And would you join me in prayer? In fact, if you sense that somebody's standing behind you, around you, in front of you, beside you, would, would you just kind of just put your hand on their shoulders? Would you just kind of just find them and encourage them with a touch today? sense that the Spirit is saying to me today, to you, it's not a lack of faith that damages faith. It's a very real enemy. And it's the fact that you and I can't see and understand everything. That His ways are higher than our ways and what He knows is far greater than what we know and because we can't see everything at one time we're often blindsided so please do not receive shame that your faith has been damaged please do not receive any blame he doesn't feel that towards you in the same way that you wouldn't blame a child for crying in the middle of the night in the crib, he's not blaming you for being afraid. He's not blaming you for wondering what's going on. He wants to pick you up and hold you. And so, Father, today I pray across our faith family that our faith would be borrowed by those who are standing. That it would be shared in some sort of a communal way with those who are standing. That you would meet them right where they are and just like you heal bodies in our midst all the time. Not every time, but a lot of times. I, I, I pray right now for that season in their life that damaged them, wounded them, removed a piece of them. And I pray, Father, that you would draw them so close that they can tangibly feel you. That they would push away shame and blame. And they would receive the love, amazing love and amazing grace of you, their Heavenly Father. And that you would restore to them what has been broken. 
and that you would advance all of us in our journey with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say amen and amen.